Good morning. Joining me from somewhere near Harlan, Minnesota, our good friend, Mr. Al Bat. Hey, Al, how are you enjoying this weather? Um, you know, yesterday I went out and within, uh, I, I want to say a few minutes, but that would be a lie, probably but maybe within an hour. I got all the winter enjoyment. I got snow, rain, and that pellet or corn snow or whatever that stuff is and a little sleet, and then I got strong winds the whole time. I guess the only thing I was really missing was uh, just a terrible, terrible cold. But other than that, I got pretty much all of all of a winter in an hour. And which. also spring, because we were having lightning and thunder here, too. And I watched the poor robins. While I'm out there, I'm looking <laughs> over at those guys, and I'm saying, man, you know, you had a chance not to be here yet. <laughs> I don't know what you were thinking. But uh, as my mother always said, they need three snows on their tail before it's truly winter. So, so it's migration time, isn't it, when things are starting to move about? It, it certainly is. And uh, I've seen a lot of snow geese flying over. Sandhill cranes are moving. Killdeer, red-winged blackbirds. Uh, boy, look for uh, bluebirds. Uh, I know uh, some Bob Lovejoy. Bob lives over in Eota had sent me a thing, and he said uh, he'd put up some bluebird boxes, and he's got them plugged now. But he said, I hope uh, spring is coming. I put up six of them and covered the hole so other birds would not start claiming them. But when will bluebirds come back north? Also, what kind of feed should I feed them? I went to a bluebird meeting in Rochester, and I believe it was a worm or grub. What kind of feeder do you use for that? Uh, and uh, he said, enjoy you on the radio. Uh, well, thanks, Bob. We, we enjoy being on the radio. And also, he said, I read your articles in Bluff Country Reader and Country Today. Uh, Bluff Country Reader is out of Spring Valley, Minnesota, and Country Today is out of Eau Claire, uh, Wisconsin. Yes, we used to get that when I lived in Amory was the, the Country Today. And so, of course, I don't get that anymore. It was kind of a nice newspaper. It's a great newspaper. I'm proud to be in there. It's um, it, Bob, it's bluebirds. I usually think of them the first two weeks of of March. So a good time to maybe open up the houses is the middle of March, around the Ides of March. Unless you see a lot of bluebird activity, then you could certainly open it. And what you feed them are called mealworms. And if you go to any of your finer uh, bird feeding uh, shops or bird stores, they will more than likely have them. And, boy, pretty much any feeder you can put them in that will a little cup so they won't all blow out. Now, if so we weren't feeding them mealworms, where would they get them? I mean, I don't typically see mealworms just lying about. Yeah, they would have trouble. Uh, they do eat a lot of berries and fruits oh. at this time of year. So they that's how they get by. And, and wild fruits and berries make up the main part of their winter diet. And that would be... Red cedar berries, they really get a lot of those. Dogwood, hackberry, uh, wild grape, poison ivy, sumac, and other plants. Do they do, the, they, do they do the junipers and some of the old crab apples that have dried up on the trees, or is that just the robins that eat those? They would sure eat them if they can get them, yeah. And, and then they eat whatever insects they can find. They'd be different than me with a little boy. I would eat the apple and then spit <laughs> out the worms. These guys would eat the fruit and just swallow the worm right along with it. Uh, those feeders, Bob, you might want something with a top on it, uh, a roof. Uh, just uh, it doesn't have to be fancy it doesn't need to be you can find all these feeders in every store you can make one 
but just so it's got a little roof over the platform where the worms are. Just to, It just helps. I stopped in Monticello, Minnesota the other day to look at trumpeter swans that overwinter there. And as I marveled at their the sounds and the sights, they sound like French horns to me. I mumbled an old tongue twister. It was six sleek swans swam softly southwards. And I've always liked that one as I've found it uh, one of the easier to say for me. There's a lot of them that can really get your tang all tangled. And I drove home from Bagley. I was speaking at the public library up there, and I saw an American kestrel perched on a utility wire, a little male. And data collected from research studies have indicated long-term declines of kestrel populations in North America. It's worse in some parts than the other, but uh, undetermined causes have contributed to an average drop of 50% across the continent since the 1960s. And in my yard here, starlings have hit the suet like a gang of marauders. Uh, Blue jays are spouting obscenities at a hawk. A rooster pheasant tried to run through the tangled vegetation after sighting the raptor, and its actions nudged something inside my thinker. I thought of John Cleese. Um, A Monty Python sketch depicted Cleese as a civil servant who, after purchasing a newspaper from a newsstand, walked through the London streets in a peculiar manner before arriving at his office in the Ministry of Silly Walks. And if its walk was any indication, I think this rooster must work in the same place. Despite the weather, folks, spring is near. I I know that because nothing is very far away. So spring is near. Although we drew, Barb Lamson and I were just talking last week. There was an article in the Free Press saying this is not going to be one of those early springs in terms of planting and everything being unthawed because there's apparently 17 inches of in the perma of permafrost and it's going to take a while before that goes away. So we may have a later spring is what it sounds like. And I, I read in the uh, newspaper that uh, Mr. Vetch at the Wasika Experiment Station said there they had, was it 44.7 inches of snow? Really? Wow. Yeah, so there's um, be a lot of moisture out there, too. I think maybe they got a little bit more than some of us because uh, when Owatonna got so much, it went through to Wasika there, but... And this is a time when everybody will be telling you all these proverbs about March, a dry March, and a wet May fills barns and bays with corn and hay. And as it rains in March, so it rains in June. And March winds and April showers bring forth May flowers. So it's, uh, I guess there's some truth to all those. What about when the, the March comes in like a lamb, goes out like a lion, or is it coming in like a lion, goes out like a lamb? What, which one of those is the case this month, and do you think it'll happen? Yeah, I think it was pretty nice on March 1st, It was, wasn't it? yes. So I, I think it came in kind of, I remember seeing a Saturday Night Live thing with John Belushi talking about that, and he went into all these proverbs about how March came in and about every country on earth, and that the at the end, he had me laughing and rolling on the floor. So so I hope March 1st uh, means that, uh, well, you know, that means it'll go out. I don't know. I, I wish I knew. It's uh, We could still count this as March coming in, I guess. So I'm going to go. It's going to come in like a lion and go out like a lamb. I hope that's true. Me too. Uh, Jim Amundsen at Lake Crystal, he said on March 1st, 
said they did uh, they kicked off their spring hawk watch at Land of Memories. And he said I didn't think we'd get any raptors, but to our my surprise, we ended up with 17 birds for the first day. 14 of them were eagles. Only two adults. The rest uh, were first and second year birds, mostly second year. Two red tails, uh, one sharp shin, and he was flying with the red tails. Uh, Trent Robbins of North Mankato said, speaking of seeing things, on Tuesday I saw a pair of trumpeter swans, a sandhill crane, and a killdeer. Artie Hobby Brunken. Artie lives in rural Albert Lee, asked if I've ever seen baby squirrels. Uh, boy, I have, Artie. Uh, squirrels have three to four in a litter, and the babies open their eyes. They're probably a month old, four are, weeks old. Are they similar size to baby mice? I imagine they're kind of small. They are very small. They'd be bigger than mice, but they're very, very small. But smaller than kittens, I would imagine. Yes, and they don't come out of the nest, so we typically don't see them till they're six weeks old. I remember when I was a kid, uh, there was a windstorm, and it blew down one of the trees. And, of course, being a boy, I had to go out and explore that tree. And here was a nest of baby squirrels in there, and they were just little guys. There wasn't much fur to them, and their eyes were closed. And But uh, the mama came back and took care of them, and I watched one morning. She moved them all. How do they do it, like in their mouth, as cats yep. do? Oh, really? Yep. Okay. I was pretty proud of her. I just, I, I was so happy, had a big smile, and I thought, what a nice mom. So they um, they probably are weaned at around 10 weeks of age. Oh, Artie also said she has three pairs of cardinals now. They're all paired up coming to her feeders. Uh, Stephen Hudek said on March 2nd he saw yellow-rumped warblers in his travels through Houston County, a small flock of at least four chipping within a grove of cedars. He saw three Rosses geese standing on ice with a Canada geese, mallards, pintails, and gadwalls at Silver Creek in Rochester. Uh, Jim Knutson of Heartland saw a snowy owl between Heartland and Freeborn. He said, boy, he's seen a lot of flocks of snow geese, long lines. Uh, Roger Batt of Algona said, we've been making syrup out by Irvington for about six years. Basically, every year when we park our pickups, a female cardinal attacks our side mirrors. <laughs> She's quite persistent and will spend hours sitting on or attacking the mirrors. I feel so bad for her because she never wins. Last year, I started putting a grocery bag over the mirrors to discourage her. If you forget to take the bags off, it doesn't take long to notice when you start driving down the road. Well, I guess the important thing is you do notice, so. Uh, that would be an interesting ticket you'd be receiving, Roger, and explaining that to the policeman that you'd put bags over your uh, outside mirrors to keep a cardinal from attacking. I don't know if he'd let you, he'd probably let you go because you did that. Um, again, from um, Jim Amundsen, and uh, it's Team Hawkwatch. This was on March 3rd. He said, every goose in North America came through Land of Memories today. There were a thousand of of them at any rate. By far the most numerous were the white-fronted geese. And when I was a kid, folks, we called those speckled bellies. And he said there were at least hundreds of snow geese. Also of a note were 33 sandhill cranes. As for raptors, we did very well with them also. 70 bald eagles, three red-tailed hawks, and five rough-legged hawks. There wasn't a time today where you didn't see something flying. 
Uh, Brian Weller of Wasika said on March 3rd he'd seen robins. Um, Eddie Hansen of Albert Lee, 16 wild turkeys, 6 pheasants, and a black possum are feeding on the ground in his yard. Oh, speaking of possums, I was driving home the other day, in a couple days ago, I guess, and there was a little possum I saw that darted behind a parked car, so I slowed down, and then he darted back out in front of me, and I just thought, isn't that odd to have a possum running around in the, the middle of the street in town? Yeah, I, I don't know how odd it is. They're, uh, possums are just wonderful little creatures. One of my favorite comic characters of all time was Pogo, drawn by Walt Kelly. They just, they're not, I can't say they're not smart, because that's wrong. Cause they're but they're always and, dead on the side of the road, usually, when I yeah. see them. So this is one of the yeah. first live ones I've actually seen. Yeah, and they're just, you know, they're out trying to find food, is what brings them into places where they shouldn't be. And uh, people always say, oh, stupid possums. But I say, well, stupid me. Man, I do so many stupid things. I I couldn't survive like a little possum could. They're smart in ways that uh, humans are not. But they they don't deal with cars well. What kind of food would they be looking for now? I assume they've been hibernating? They don't hibernate. Oh, they don't. So they, they will find a burrow and, uh, or maybe under a rock pile or something, and they will take grass and leaves and hmm. things down in there and make blankets, and they will plug the hole so it will keep the wind and cold from coming in that hole, and they try to eat enough so they can take a couple of days off when it gets real bad, and I'm sure they nap because they don't have a big screen TV. <laughs> and then uh, all of a sudden they say, man, I am I am feeling a bit peckish. So out they come to find some food, and they're out. Uh, and they come out. I see them on some of the coldest days with their poor little tail frozen, that bright pink color. Mm-hmm. So they are out coming to eat, and they are omnivores which just means they will eat pretty much anything that doesn't eat them. Well, they'd even eat things that would eat them if they can find a dead one. They will eat everything from carrion to bird seed, dog food, cat food, whatever they can find, fruit. Do they um, typically bother garden plants? Because I guess I I always assume it's bunnies that are eating my, my gardens or voles. I never thought of opossums. They would probably, you know, it. This has nothing to do with your well, it has a little bit to do with your question. There was a, a lady last year, and I wish I could remember her name, sent me a photo of a cat eating her garden. Oh. Stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to say it was a tomato, too, and it was eating it. And she said, do other cats do this? And I said, boy, you know, I don't, yeah, my cat will, I, I don't can't imagine she'd have to be starving right but possums do eat an occasional fruit and vegetable so they would certainly if they're very hungry or if it's just handy for them i guess they're going by and say wow you know the peppers look good now i'm going to try a bite of those so they would certainly eat one but i don't think they're a a real what we would consider a pest in the garden but they would uh, they would sure eat stuff they, Deb Goodnature uh, from Clark's Grove said, Al, the robins have arrived in Clark's Grove on March 3rd. Um, we appreciate what you do to inform us about nature. Well, um, 
appreciate Karen Schmidt's her doings. Um, this is uh, from Bob. Am I seeing a crow or a raven? Man, Bob, I don't know what you're seeing. I'm going to say if it's around here, it's a crow. But American crows are seen, if you're seeing a large group of birds, then that's it's a crow in there. Uh, ravens, they often travel in pairs. And if you're hearing the bird and it caws, that's a crow. Ravens produce a lower croaking sound. Ravens are larger. They're the size of a red-tailed hawk. Uh, watch the bird's tail if it flies overhead. A crow's tail feathers are all about the same length, so when it spreads its tail, it opens like a fan. A raven has longer middle tail feathers, so its tail appears wedge-shaped when it's open. The raven has a much larger bill than a crow does. And then, uh, again, Bob, I don't know where you're at, uh, but check a range map in a field guide to see ravens. See if ravens are where you are. Uh, this uh, No name on this one said, I saw a muskrat on the road in February. What was it doing out there? What's it up to? Well, again, it comes down to food. So it might have been searching for food due to a lack of it at its pond. Because muskrats build houses, they pile vegetation, and those domes have underwater entrances. Muskrats are active all winter, so they need to eat. And unlike beavers, they don't store food. So they find food on the bottom of a pond or lake, diving into cold water to get to it. So if they run low on food, they'll be out traveling around now, trying to find food and maybe uh, crossing uh, roads where they shouldn't be doing, like what you saw. And um, I saw one on the road uh, the other day also. This one did not make it and was run over, sadly. The National Eagle Center is in Wabasha. This is uh, 2018 is the year of the bird. And this uh, March, they're having their 25th annual SOAR, S-O-A-R, with the Eagles Festival. And each weekend through Sunday, March 25th, SOAR will feature unforgettable exotic flying bird programs from all around the United States. And you can see shows by Birdman, Wings to Soar, and World Bird Sanctuary. And again, that's every Sunday, each weekend through Sunday, March 25th, in Wabasha at the National Eagle Center. So it's uh, I've had the pleasure of working over there a, a number of times. What a fun place to be. It is a beehive of activity. There's just uh, people running all over. Speaking of people running all over, we got a postcard from John. We did, and he's got three jokes for you, Al. All right. He says, where do bees go for a ride? Oh, where would a, If you were a bee and you wanted to go for a ride, they get in my car every so often <laughs> and do. buzz around. Then you're going down the... Rolling all four windows down with those automatic down things, and it, the wind's whipping through, and it blows everything out of the car except the bee. But I don't know where would uh, where would a bee go for a ride? The buzz stop. Oh man. Okay. I, why didn't I know? I should have known that. I don't know what. What do cats like to eat on a hot summer day? What would, if you were a cat and it was a hot summer day and you're hungry, what would you, I don't know, what would a cat eat? Mice cream cones. Oh. Grown, yes. And what is the farmer's favorite 
fairy tale? I think I might know that one. It's Beauty and the Beats. Yes, assuming he's a vegetable farmer. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I was going to and I was going to add, I'd always heard it as what is the gardener's favorite fairy tale, but I took a stab at this one, so I'm, I'm just so proud. You got one out of three, and then he also made a comment about, he said that he's seen some new stamps. He saw new stamps are out with lightning bugs, etc. Apparently they have things that make their own light, so that's kind of cool. They sure do, and wouldn't, how cool would it be if those stamps would glow in the dark? Yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? Oh, man, I'd get one and... I just send uh, letters to people I'd only met once <laughs> so I could put that stamp on there and say, here, I don't have anything to say to you, but here's a stamp. And just, turn out the lights. Yeah, look at the stamp and, and be happy. Well, that is really cool. Thanks, John. Yeah, one out of three. That, that's kind of my, um, through school, that's what I usually got to. With Your batting one, average. <laughs> one out of, I got one out of three right. So, But I made the uh, top Sixty-seven percent of the class uh, possible. It just being down there in the bottom. You know, somebody has to do that. That's job. right. Somebody's got to round it out. That's right. <laughs> well, I hope everybody is getting out and um, seeing some birds. And again, with um, the weather that we get, I, everybody be be careful. It's just it's. Um, I, I think somebody told me that it, we're having silly weather. Oh, the, the person that said we're having silly weather did ask a question, too. It said, she said, why do geese honk when flying in flocks and oh. other birds don't? Because you hear the geese now. They're yeah, they're noisy, noise. right. I mean, compared to others that just kind of swoop by and don't make a lot of noise. Yeah, and part of the reason is most other birds are unable to honk. So if you <laughs> see the robins flying over and they're honking, that, they've got a problem. It's thought that geese honk in flight to keep up communication with the flock and encourage stray birds to resume their positions to maintain correct speed and distance and to preserve a V formation that enables geese to conserve energy and fly longer distances due to the drafting effect. There's some studying now coming in there is starting to question the effectiveness if it's quite as much as we've thought all these years, so it'll be interesting to see what comes out of all this. But many other birds do make sounds while they fly in flocks, but most are quieter than geese, so they aren't always heard by us. Blackbirds seem to come to mind. Don't they make noise when they fly, too? They make a lot. Yeah. But we'll see some of the little tiny birds. They'll be flying up high. Well, we won't be able to hear them. They're making a little mice squeaks and we don't know what and if we did hear it we'd say well what was that it must be uh, must be my n- old knee squeaking or something you know from the old football knee or something so yeah well uh karen i hope everybody will find their way to the um to the cafe today where the food is missing a few links the special is always a Heimlich maneuver, and gravy is considered a beverage, and now featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup holders where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any of it. The cafe is, uh, how would you describe it? It's not a highfalutin place. I always loved the word highfalutin. It's a eatery where you don't need a reservation. And according to the sign on the door, all you need is a shirt and shoes to get service. Uh, apparently, that's if you come in wearing shoes and a shirt, you're okay. What about pants? And, <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't say, say anything about that <laughs> there. So I, 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 so 
Somebody will try it one day. I sat next to a man who had once wanted his name on a building or a yacht, but he settled for having his name on the side of one of the cafe's coffee mugs. And I think he's happy with that. Everybody's fighting a battle of some kind, and his is with the squirrels at his bird feeder. So we're talking about how to baffle the squirrels, and then the smiling waitress appeared and he told her that he liked his coffee as strong as the law allowed. And I pictured a thick java dripping from the coffee pot like oil draining from a truck during an oil change. And I remembered the wonderful thing about going to places like this is the memory it makes back. My mother loved her coffee strong. She made coffee so strong, folks, that when we drank it early in the morning, it woke the neighbors. <laughs> Remember, folks, heartless while we're driving past, do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. I enjoyed your company. Thank you, Karen. Thanks, everybody, for listening. KMSU is, is wonderful radio. We thank you, Al, so much, and we'll be back again next week. Until then, happy bird watching. Thank you. All right, bye-bye.